This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast, live from an office that has everybody in it that currently works here. Except for Brandon. Except for Brandon. Uh, but he's coming. He would be on here if, he, if you would ask him. Well, I wanted to have him on this week. That's not the point. Jacob Padilla is sitting out in the office away from the podcasting room. Um, Greg Smith is to my left. Hi. Aaron Sorensen is across from me. To be fair, I can actually see the top of Jacob's head from where I'm sitting. I asked all three of them to come join the podcast with me. Greg said yes after some convincing. Aaron Sorensen was down for it right away. Jacob gave me a side eye that was like the biggest <laughs> you side eye ever. It was great. Are you going to edit that yes, out? Yes, I'm going to edit okay. that out. Please don't. It was great. You know, you know what's the most worrisome thing that's ever happened to me? And I think I've brought this up on the podcast before. You have. But one time, Brandon gave me the absolute most, like, the, the most giant heart attack of my life because he's like, did you know that Derek said the F word in the last podcast? And my heart had dropped because I hadn't had a chance to listen to it. I'm like, I can't believe I published it and it got by me. I felt so awful. And he goes, yeah, Friendship. Oh, God. Wait, that, that begs a question quickly to derail this whole thing. Do you generally listen to them ahead of time to make sure that he doesn't I, say any bad words? No, not the whole <laughs> thing. When he when they're ready to go, because technically they're published live even went before because they go into SoundCloud and mm-hmm. everywhere else. Yeah. So when I publish it, I just make sure it's working on the website. I give it a listen. I usually listen to the first few minutes, mm-hmm. and then I publish it, and then I'll go back later because if I'm going to listen, I typically listen on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I don't listen on the website. Yeah, so, so, no, I don't sense. listen to them all because I, I am a subscriber. You're welcome. Thank you. I, I subscribe I to the podcast. Let me make sure that I subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and a bunch of other things. Subscribe other to the podcast. You can just find it. Yeah. We'll do the call to action at the beginning of the podcast this time. Yeah, because if you stop listening, at least you now know we want you to. <laughs> the thing that we are here to talk about today, um, Jake Kokorowski from... Uh, he was at Bucky's fifth quarter, and he moved over to the Wisconsin Rivals site. So congrats to him on the new job. But Jake Kokorowski, who covers Wisconsin, is going to be joining the podcast in a little bit to preview Nebraska-Wisconsin. I have Greg and Aaron here to talk about one very, very important thing. Do you have Disney Chili Plus? cinnamon rolls. What? Do you have Disney Plus? And what all have you watched on Disney Plus yet? I, so I, I thought I got it for free with Verizon. You do? And it wasn't working when I tried to set it up at first, and I'm now realizing I think it might have been a glitch with, like, it sounds like their systems were having a little bit of, like, overload. So it might just be that. So I'm going to give it a go, but I can tell you the very first thing I'm going to watch when I get it, and it'll probably be Lizzie McGuire. Oh, Lizzie. I forgot about that. That's a great show. 
Uh, no, I, I do not you have You still haven't it. gotten it yet? I'm trying to hold out. I'm just no, you honest. need to just get it. No, man. I Darkwing Duck, man. Woo. Um, I am still, I have, uh, like, streaming service fatigue. I do, so I'm trying to resist. But just cancel the other ones. Uh, I could do that. The thing that's, like, stinks right now, though, and somebody, and I'm sure there's going to be a way to figure this out, but, like, Apple TV, I really want to watch the morning show, but I really don't want to pay for Apple TV just to watch just that one show. I got a year free with my phone. So of Apple TV. I will watch the show, yes, and tell you if, if you should watch it or not. And if <laughs> I think that, and if I think that you will like it, I will give you my Apple TV login so that you can watch it when I'm done. Perfect. Boom. What is the Apple? Show? Don't we? It's we are Steve not. Steve Carell copy- and Jennifer Aniston. And you just in, uh, 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 Reese Witherspoon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah I amazing. couldn't. I couldn't don't think of. The most well, I couldn't human. think of her name, and so I didn't want to like say somebody else. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a big cast. It's about the Today Show. Oh. And like. The it's person basically, that was kicked off of the Today Yeah, it's like show. telling like the Matt Lauer, <laughs> Matt Lauer piece of it. Yeah. 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 Steve Carell gets to play Matt Lauer. I'm um I'm He's so good. Silently rooting for Michael Scott, but I know we're not gonna get Michael Scott. No. No. You know what? That there, would be they, great though. That'd be great yeah. TV. In addition to the morning show, the other thing that and it's not on Apple TV or anything, it's just gonna <clears> be in theater, so I have to go see it. But the um bombshell movie that is about the Fox News. Uh, the women who basically came forward and talked about the sexual harassment. And Charlize Theron, her, her transformation, transformation to Megyn Kelly is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. It's insane. It's really good. Anyway. Alex and I have already watched um, The Mandalorian, the first episode of that, I, the Star Wars. That's really making me want to get it. Real like, good. It's real good. Um, we have already watched Monsters University, which I had not seen. We you watched. Hadn't? It's a good movie. I hadn't seen it, but it was pretty good. And we watched the Home Alone movies last night. <laughs> it was great. I feel like I would watch a bunch of the old like Disney cart, like the yeah. cartoon movies. Like, I saw watch Beauty and the Beast. They had um, on the little ticker thing. They had Remember the Titans, Miracle, Invincible, and the Greatest Game Ever Played back to back to back to back to back. And I was like, Oh my gosh! I'm just, I'm just gonna <laughs> waste a whole entire day watching this stuff. So. Um. Yeah, you need to get it. We'll see. By the next time we do this, we'll see if I've relented. Well, see, the thing mm-hmm. is, you can sign up for it now, mm-hmm. and once we get into December, you're gonna have plenty of time to watch all that stuff. Yeah, just you're not gonna work at all. Just it's just gonna sit like there's no like there's not gonna recruiting. be anything going on. I mean, there's yeah, like oh. I'm about to really actually Did ramp just, up for I me. Could, I can tell if you were like were legitimately like there will be nothing, or if you forgot that he covers. The I forgot about the recruiting side okay. of it for a second. Yeah, which is about to get really busy. Yeah. <laughs> you will have nothing else going no, on. Tease and peas. What? Tease and peas. Tease and peas. Apparently, no one else is helping you. You're on your own. Enjoy national. You are on your day. own. Yeah, I'm not helping you this year. Cool. Oh. No, I'm not going to Oklahoma to, to write about anybody. I can handle it. I'm not going to help with anything. Cool. I am trying to get you to Florida, though. You did try like, to. Get I am me actively to trying to get you to Florida. I appreciate you. Send Greg to Florida. I wish you guys could see his face right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm being attacked because I'm on the opposite side of the table. Well, okay, so this is this is what I actually want to talk to you about. I have I have you two here because because Jacob wouldn't come. There are three games left. Nebraska needs two wins out of the three to go to a mm-hmm. bowl game. You, Aaron, sat in that exact spot like three or four weeks ago and said that Nebraska wasn't going to win another football game. Greg oh, and I both said that you were crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now here we are. So my question for the both of you, and this is just going to be the conversation for the next 20 minutes until we talk to Jake, is 
Does Nebraska win another football game? Does Nebraska go to a bowl game? Yes or no? Those are two different questions. Does Nebraska go to a bowl game? Yes no. or no? No. Do, are you looking for a... Why? Just, Why? You, this you is just, a podcast. You can't just say no and then just stop talking. <laughs> you just you said it was just like, I didn't know if you wanted Greg to answer it too. And then... No. Can, I was waiting for no. you to give Give your justification. Yeah. I don't think that you they're You're a gonna, writer. You have to come up with this stuff. Mm, um, mm. Mm. I don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin or Iowa. Maryland, so like that's the thing. Maryland is your potential win game, although Maryland makes me a little bit nervous, and when people ask why, I'm going to tell you why really quick. Because Maryland is at, for some reason, you did no, that, no. I'm sorry, no, you did that thing where you like, you were like, you did with your hands, I'm going to tell you why, and then you leaned forward mm-hmm. and adjusted in your chair as mm-hmm. like you were about to drop some knowledge. Sorry. So Maryland, for, for some reason, the Big Ten decided to give Maryland a 3.30 kickoff Eastern time, mm-hmm. which is essentially like midnight on the Eastern time zone this time of year, so it's going to essentially mostly a night game. Once 4.30 rolls around, that game's going to be a night game. And it's senior, senior day, senior night, whatever they're going to call it. Day slash night. Um, that makes me real worried that the Terrapins are going to just find some, like, really unfortunate, like, power within themselves because they're going to be like, this is the closest we've gotten to a night game in forever, and it's senior night, and we are just going to roll. I don't know if I would necessarily think that happens, but it does make me a little bit nervous. With that said, another thing I thought realistically could happen is, on the reverse, Nebraska figures it out and goes and beats Wisconsin this weekend and then loses to Maryland. (laughs) Which, uh, It's not completely impossible. What I do think is going to happen, though, this is my legitimate, like, this is what I think is going to happen. They're going to lose to Wisconsin. I I think if you are Nebraska, your best case scenario is you're going to lose to Wisconsin, but play well enough. Play well enough to look like you belong. That's what we wanted against Ohio State. Yeah, to take whatever. a step. Yeah. Beat Maryland. You are now at five games. You need a sixth game. Iowa becomes a can you win or not. Iowa's a better football team, unfortunately, right now. Sorry, that is just the case. They are a better team. So can you find it within yourselves to get that sixth win and defeat Iowa at home and make a statement? And I think that's what happens. Counterpoint. I don't want to count it. Maryland has already been eliminated from from bowl Everything. eligibility. So they're going to just like destroy so, everyone. So and, and Nebraska is no longer a um, like it's not a destination Threat? game. Yeah, Sorry. it's not. It's not like a is big. It? It's not a big game at this point in time. Nebraska uh, shouldn't be a big. I don't game. know. Uh, it, Going on Indiana, the road, Maryland, when Indiana came in here, but Indiana was, it was coming a to Memorial Stadium. But they were in the mo- Memorial Stadium. What I'm saying is, yeah. if Nebraska's on the road against you, this team has won what one road game in the last two years, three years, yeah. like. Nebraska, as a road team, is not threatening anymore. It's not a program-defining win. It's really such a fall from Taylor Martinez's, I love to I'm, play road games. Indiana's, Indiana's whole thing of, like, this is a program-changing win, a program-defining win, was because it was it in, in Memorial, Memorial Stadium. Stadium. It had nothing to do with the team that was on the other side of the field. It had everything to do with the venue that they were playing in and the mm-hmm. fan base that they were playing in front of. I'll give you that. Right? Yeah. So Maryland has nothing left to play for, in essence? That makes me nervous. So, but but, like... Nebraska does. Do you, do you think that there's any they, kind of? Yeah, they got a bowl. They got a bowl, a bowl eligibility. This is my thing. They have the Motor City I Bowl. Did, to I don't care. About. I don't care what happened. Okay, no, go ahead. 
Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, you, go, you said what? Like you guys are talking about like what makes you nervous about the situation. What makes me nervous is Nebraska. Like I just don't like I, they're so untrustworthy, and it's so sad that you're <laughs> at that point. But they really are just untrustworthy. Like I don't, and I joked with you about this yesterday, Derek, that this would be the game against Wisconsin that Adrian Martinez has two incompletions and looks awesome, but the defense gets up fifty points because Jonathan Taylor ran for three hundred yards. Like nothing can ever just like fully come together for. Them and it's like what I Austin Allen said after yeah. Purdue. It's everything is firing on. They they have not been able to fire on all cylinders at the exact same time. They're all doing. They all have pieces working at different times. And I think that the the what's the mental impact of losing again to Wisconsin this weekend for I don't even know how many games in a row that would be then that they've lost and then. You're supposed to just turn the switch on in a road game against Maryland, who's not good. Like, I'm not arguing that they're any good good at all. But, you know, Purdue wasn't very good either. So, and that happened. So, I just don't understand. I just don't see them winning another game, ergo. I don't see them going to a bowl game because I just find them untrustworthy. So, four and eight? Four and eight. So, they close the year 0 and 6. Yes. That's rough. Okay, can I can I But that's kind of interesting though because we've talked about this really quick. That if they finish the year 0 and 6, they will have started last year, so 2018, going 0 and 6 but finishing 4 and 2. 4, 4 and 2 and they would have started this year 4 and 2 and finished 0 and 6. Brand, Wild. Brandon wrote that after Purdue. It, it's it's <laughs> the most poetic way to show that that there's been zero progress in 2 years. Which so we need sound effects it's like the, we need one of those boards. I'm, I'm more optimistic the, than the two of you. Who yeah, I've completely, you? I've completely come over to Aaron's lunch. side. I haven't had it's, lunch yet. I had. No snack. one has any expectations for the Wisconsin game. I don't think Nebraska even thinks that Nebraska is going to win that football game. Like they can Which say means they, they're going to lose. They can say all. <laughs> I mean, Scott Frost for sure because he was like even on after Thursday's practice made the comment where he was like, "We have some people on the team that are really excited for the next three games and the future." I'm like, why did you even have to say the like future part? Just like it goes back to what I said after Ohio State. I felt like he was resolved of this season. After I actually State. can I make a point on that? Because I'm sorry because I've heard you say that. I disagree slightly. Like I. I think they were resolved after Colorado. Ooh. I think it goes back Ooh. further than that. I think that the problem actually started there and that they put so much into getting revenge against Colorado and like there was a lot of revenge talk that week and then losing and losing the way that they did. I don't think they've ever recovered from that. And now they're just kicking the can down the street. Which is not great. I don't, like from to me from a coaching perspective or a player perspective because at some point you have to have a little more resolve than this to be able to bounce back and we've talked about that at various points throughout the season um, and you see it every week in games when bad things happen to them they just tend to kind of fold um, so you have to get past that but I don't think either players or coaches are past that. Derek is like doing his like grumpy gills face. You're doing He's your, very like, upset Whoa. with us because I don't think he expected us to be so down on I think he expected team. it from me. You are you are his sadness now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what happened? Is that accurate? Did we... <laughs> so, so you you brought up the point what what is losing to Wisconsin again and most likely getting plastered by Wisconsin again? What does that do to the psyche of the team? I would argue nothing. Because no. I would argue that they don't have they don't expect to beat Wisconsin and they don't expect to be like in a game in late in the fourth quarter with Wisconsin. I don't think this team expects that. And and we could talk about whether that is right or wrong or not. I, I don't really care. But I think that's the situation that they are in. So this is a loss. I'm not even going to like 
put myself in a mental space where I can say, well, maybe this, if this happens, no, this is going to be a loss. But we'll probably get chili and cinnamon rolls so, in the press box. Uh, stupidest lunch ever. Yeah. Um, Could we just get the cinnamon rolls and something else tasty? Oh, no. We can't, I, not on a public pod. Add <laughs> that out. <laughs> so. Wow. Wow. You are going to Maryland at four and six. You have to win out to go to a bowl game. I don't like. I know you don't want to spend Aaron your Christmas in Detroit at the Motor City Bowl, but the expectation from yeah, Scott Frost's out. boss is still to go six and six and go to a bowl game, and the expectation from Scott Frost is still to go to a bowl game because they need those bowl practices because they need those bowl practices. Although I have seen people, I'm like, not done. <laughs> so you. I'm now just saying, there are people on Twitter that have been literally like, "What's more important?" The 12 bowl practices are getting out and recruiting. See, that sentiment is stupid because this coaching staff <laughs> no, this coaching no, no. staff coached and prepared for a Peach Bowl against an SEC opponent and recruited for another Power 5 school in the same time, in the same month. Scott Frost got done uh, coaching a practice and then flew across the country to go get Adrian Martinez, and it works. So I don't want to hear the, well, they should spend their time recruiting. No, they need bowl practices. Recruiting so. It is, but, they <laughs> but, need not, but I, I agree with you. I actually their team is incredibly young. They need those guys to have as many practices as possible. So you're going to Maryland four and six. Maryland is a terrible football team. How many times in the history, or not history, but how many times in recent history has a team scored seventy points in a season and then given up seventy points later on in the season? I don't think very many. Yeah, I don't think that's happened very often. Maryland is not a very good football team right now. They also, like I said, are not playing for bowl eligibility, and I don't really think they have much left in the tank to play for. If you win that game, you are suddenly 5-6, and six, looking at a Black Friday rivalry game at home against Iowa. At home. I do think that that's the best, uh, the best case scenario for what happens over these next two weeks. And it's something that could actually maybe get them motivated for that game against Iowa. Because, we like, and I think I have said this to you before, is that... To me, part of the problem with the Nebraska-Iowa series is that Iowa seems to take it way more seriously, the players, than Nebraska's players. Nebraska's fans take it very seriously, and they're very angry and anxious that they can't seem to get over the hump against Iowa. Um, But the players just don't seem to care as much. And hopefully that scenario is what could propel them to actually really locking in for that week, on a short week. And. And bull eligibility isn't the only thing that's on the line there. Beating Iowa isn't the only thing that's on the line there. They like there will be pressure to save the season because if they win the last two games, it will feel like the season has been saved or salvaged in some respects because they've gone back to a bowl game and they've kept it from being three straight years of uh, four and eight, five and seven, not going to a bowl. There, there would be a lot of of narrative changing potential in that game. I would also, Does Nebraska rise to the challenge? I don't know because in a situation like that, if you want your home, uh, if you want your home field advantage to play a serious factor later on in the games, you have to not make the stupid mistakes that Nebraska continues to make early in big games that just take the crowd completely out of it. Yeah. But that is not a bad situation. That is the situation that you want to be in. The situation that you want to be. And in. And it's also the best case scenario for how they want to finish recruiting as well because they're going to need some actual positive momentum to really get that ball rolling. There are a lot of spots left to fill. Um, And you can only sell, 
you can come in here and play look how bad we are for so long like and i think that honestly Mm -hmm. the statute of limitations is up on that that's a year one thing once you have enough as much roster turnover as they've had that starts to become hey can you really get guys better um, as a question from recruits, not just fans. So they need – your scenario is, is very much needed, um, and hopefully they can get there for a variety of reasons. I just don't really want to go to Detroit on December 26th. Although if we fly on Christmas, we could go to yeah, Great Outlaw on Southwest. We could go to so depressed. <laughs> Little Caesars Arena. The hot and, and ready. watch the Pistons. We're just going to go to Little Caesars because it's like the only thing open on Christmas. No, no, no. Christmas Little Caesars dinner. Arena. No, the arena to, I watch, know, the but like to the... watch the Pistons and Blake Griffin you don't and even Andre know if Drummond. At home. He probably looked. Also, he not... didn't clarify <laughs> the date. Why would we be flying out the day before the game? Why no, you'd be flying early. Like there's bowl prep. Days? Yeah, we bowl have prep. to go through like bowl prep and availability beforehand. We're not going to go to any of that. Be- we went to New Orleans. We were there for the entire week leading yeah, up to the Yeah, when I game. went to the Peach Bowl, I went for like a week because like the Peach Bowl like like gave us chicken sandwiches every day. Are you like, saying that the Motor heart. City Bowl doesn't matter? You don't think there's going to be what, swag? Do you know what the do you know what the Music City Bowl We will get us? swag bags. No. Yes, we will. Not like... It might be Little Caesars coupons, and that might be it, but it's still a swag so bag. It's better than sitting at home example. and watching bowl games for the third straight year. I just want to give an example. With serious um, FOMO. Well, if people I, if people are wondering the difference in bowl games and, like, a New Year's Six game versus, like, any other bowl. So when we went to the Peach Bowl, uh, they gave us these really nice jackets that say the Peach Bowl on them. They were just, like, throwing Chick-fil-A coupons at us. And, like, we had breakfast, lunch, and dinner in an open bar for... 6 a.m. to to like midnight every single day to the point where I went down for breakfast one morning the gentleman who was at the open bar was like would you like a mimosa and I'm like it's 7 a.m. but shit why not he offered you a mimosa (laughs) Um, not like tequila but um, when we went to the music city bowl this is actually a pretty funny like thing in hindsight so we get to the media workroom and there's like a container for soda and whatever else and like some snacks and they're like well you have a media gift and we're like oh a media gift it was a paperweight (laughs) it's like this giant coin paperweight it's so amazing in the worst way possible i'm picturing the setup kind of like at big 10 media days how there's like the like pop but way smaller and like (laughs) less ice I just I want them to go to the Music City Bowl so that Derek doesn't have FOMO. I just want to go to a bowl game. Like like when there was a possibility that we were spending our like the time between Christmas and New Year's out in Santa Clara County, California. I was about to say Santa Clara County because I've had to type that so much over the last couple months. Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. It was awesome against Florida State in the Red Box Bowl. And now both teams. That would be awesome. Now both teams are going to go into the offseason with questions about their coaching. YOLO. Womp womp. We need one of those. Like... This is a very depressing discussion, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, it I'm was... trying to keep you guys uplifted. <laughs> and you're both like, nope, everything sucks. Everything sucks. I just... I don't know, man. It's just... I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find the silver lining here. And I'm trying to find how like, I could see things turning around. And really, the only way I see it happening is if like Adrian Martinez catches fire. Like, it just suddenly becomes the guy that we thought we were getting coming into the season. And that propels the offense and to give everyone confidence. Yeah. 
Aaron, is that the only way you see things turning around this season? Like Adrian has to be super stud Adrian? Or is there anything that could convince you that Nebraska is going to win a football game in these last three tries? Now in 2021. Yeah, offensive line. God, 2021. Don't even put that out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really do think the offensive line has to do something. Literally anything. Obviously, we've seen Cam Jurgens growing and getting better, and we were pretty critical of him toward the beginning of the season. Yeah, they're and giving he, props for that. He has, he has progressed throughout the season, and he is learning the things that have plagued him. He has gotten better at. Um, he's not perfect, but he's consistently got gotten better. But Adrian Martinez can have the most amazing game of his life, but if he's not getting any protection, that's going to continue to force bad decisions. It's going to continue to put him in spots that make him uncomfortable and nervous and everything else, like everything in between. So that offensive line needs to really step up. But then on top of it, it's almost like every piece needs to step up. Yeah. I mean, what do you do at running back? If, if We don't know what Wandale's situation is. According to Frost, he's a wait and see. I, I think you're not going to see him. But, like, regardless, okay, so then what's your next What's your next option? What are you going to do? Um, can your wide receiver step up? Okay, you've moved Chris Hickman. He did go on scholarship. Chris Hickman is now back out at wide receiver. He gives him a big-bodied option. So how are you going to use him? I think, okay, I got it. I'm saying all this stuff. The play calling needs to get better. Okay, when you when you say that, does it just need to how do I say this? Does it just need to be better play calling or does Frost need to call plays more confidently? Maybe a little bit more confidence. Okay. Cause I feel that's what when I say play calling needs to be better, that's what I usually mean. And I know people think that, oh, they need to call better plays. No, I think he's been too conservative. I think in some way when he says like no fear of failure, you know what I mean? Like Let's come back to bite them. It has. I mean, like, don't call a shovel pass on the two-yard line. But I don't think that that was a fear of failure. I think that was the one time where he was doing too much and shouldn't have. He you should know, have I just don't think run it's fear failure, Martinez. But like you, <laughs> like, yeah. Which, the, which, ironically, they decided to do in the second half, and it worked. When you say, like, don't be as conservative with the play calling, like, that was a super aggressive play call. Where, yeah. like, if it works, nobody says anything. Like, the James Franklin thing. If that goes in... We're all like, oh my gosh, Scott Frost is a genius. Yeah. They just turned the ball over on a shovel pass, and he turned around and scored on them with a shovel pass. Whoa! But it didn't work, and so we're, we're criticizing it. So that, True. But at the same time, run the damn ball. Yes. But that actually leads me perfectly into something I was going to say, as you were talking about Wandale and the question marks around him, and then the offensive line. If... Diedrich. Yes, if Wandale is out... Does that force them to actually use Dedrick Mills? Mm -hmm. And does that help the offensive line knowing that we're going to go a little bit more downhill? um, It's going to be a little bit more power attack, even though the team that we're trying to do that against doesn't exactly give that up. We're going to try it anyway. Um, Does that give them a different mindset than being the offensive line going into the game? What if Saying, hey, we're putting it on us, or let's go. What if Nebraska just came out and said, we're going to do I formation and do all the things that Wisconsin does? I mean, they've had two weeks to put it in. Who's did, your fullback? They did it against Ohio State. But now Chris Hickman. Man, uh, maybe. Or or any of the fullbacks that you have on your roster Who that you've converted to running backs. Who? Austin Hemphill. Yeah. You don't even know who that is. <laughs> I heard the name. Um, like... <laughs> I don't know, like there, but but to that point, they're or, going to have to do. There, there'll have to be wrinkles. Like Dedrick Mills is your fullback, and Ramir Johnson actually Ramir Johnson gets free. Who still has a game to work with? Like maybe you just have to do it for this one. Maybe. 
I don't know. So will we see wrinkles to their attack? Because they've had an extra week. It's something yes. that we are not even, like, people aren't even talking about this. That being a factor, that they've had an extra week to prepare for this team, which is, in general, a very good thing, right? You'd be like, oh, that gives them a puncher's chance. And it doesn't even seem to really come up this week. No, because it doesn't, it feels like almost like kind of what happens with Frost out of halftime, where he's like, I don't know if I need to, like, have my guys running, like, um like basically running through like warm up drills mm-hmm. to like get them like ready to go. It kind of feels like the same thing almost happens for Nebraska after the bye week is that like they say it was so great, they feel great, everything's great, and then they get to the actual game and it's just like the same thing. Yeah, it's like why what do you need to do to like get the motivation? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't I don't get it. This is a lot uh, more depressing than I. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Sorry. Andy didn't even have Jacob. We get to talk to Jake Kokorowski about why Wisconsin is so good. So, thank you guys for coming and joining the podcast. Please feel free to give Jacob Crow. Uh, oh, as I thought you, walk you were going to say, please feel free to give us a good rating on. We'll do that too, but I already gave it. I did the call to action at the beginning of the podcast. But you, so. you should also rate this highly. Um, this pre- this podcast. Why did you roll your eyes at that? I, <laughs> Apparently, Greg doesn't like our podcast. It's not a highly rated podcast. That's I fine. love the podcast. It's fine. We, we are underrated right now. That's right. We're the Dame Willard podcast. Don't even bring that name up. You know what Portland is right now? Portland, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think they're like four and seven. Like Portland's like in the same spot as Oklahoma City. We almost made it this whole thing without doing NBA talk. We did. Lakers killed like, by Portland, the Lakers. Portland sucks, man. They do. I don't want to hear about Damian Lillard. Why don't you care? I don't care about the NBA all that much. You can adopt the Lakers. We're allowing you can cool adopt the Thunder. On the get in at the ground level. <laughs> you don't want that because literally. What do you mean you don't want that? Are you like... kidding me? Shea Gilgis Alexander looks like a future MVP. You know who's a current Please. MVP? Two Please, guys. <laughs> two guys on our team. Please, <laughs> we're gonna rebuild. Okay, cool. Enjoy it. You haven't even been back to the playoffs yet, and you're already like you're already oh, this way. How long has it been since you've been in the playoffs? Six years. Six years. You had LeBron last year, and you still didn't go because he was hurt. No, it's because you destroyed your team chemistry with the Anthony Davis stuff. Because you couldn't just play out the year. Now Brandon Ingram is in New Orleans, dropping fifty points because you didn't want him. <laughs> That's this okay. Is... I'm totally fine with it. Taking a turn. It has taken a turn. Don't be coming at my thunder. I'm sorry. I've got ammo like saved them. up. I've got ammo saved up for the Lakers. <laughs> actually like them. Man, this took a turn. I was just trying to recruit Aaron to our side. And I was just trying to do this. I was trying to give her options, and you were like, why would you go with those bums? <laughs> that is how that came that up. That was what I, No, sorry. Oh. All right, Aaron, thank you for coming on the podcast. Greg, hope the Lakers lose. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>I'm very excited now to welcome in a friend of the podcast, formerly of Bucky's Fifth Quarter, now writing words for Badger Blitz as part of the Rivals Network. Congratulations on that, by the way. Jake Kokorowski is joining the podcast once again. He was with us last year and I think the year before um, to preview Wisconsin. Fantastic writer, um, aspiring dad, I should say. Has a, as we talked about off pod, still has some developmental um, things to work through. But Jake, welcome to the podcast. 
Hey, man. Thanks, Derek, for having me on. It's always great talking to you guys. You guys do great work. Uh, and it's, yeah, no, Aspiring Dad is, yeah, basically it's, uh, I feel like a, it's my, my I'm going to be, my oldest is going to be eight years old, right? And let me just say that I feel still like a rookie head coach with being a parent where, I, you know, I, I'm trying to incorporate what Paul Chris says during his press conferences. Like, I appreciate the approach of my son trying to make his lunch, but it got everywhere, you know, and somehow it wound up on the ceiling. I don't know how the Nutella got up on the ceiling, but it's up there. Uh, I appreciate his effort, but he needs to do better. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, we have two five-year-old twins too, uh, but it's, it's been good. And, uh, you know, Badger Blitz has been fun uh, and whatnot too. And, and part of the Rivals Network and just excited to talk to some Wisconsin football with you. The uh, the parallels between football and dad life are uh, are are it, it, it's a pretty rich um, terrain. Also, does uh, does Paul Chris look like the most generic white person ever? Like it feel, it's rude to say, but every time I look at Paul Chris, I'm like, this dude is not a football coach. He just looks like like a random person that they drop into the back of like scenes of movies just so that they could have another person there. Like he looks very very generic. Right. Paul, Paul, to me, I mean, he, to me, like, he reminds me of, of, of a dad in terms of this yeah. just a, and, and how he dresses. It, it's, it's, it's the, the glasses, sweatshirt. Man. Yeah. It's the sweatshirt and the glasses. And I mean, he, to me, it reminds me of an everyday man for me, like where I'm like right now, like, Oh, I'm wearing sweats. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I'm wearing glasses. I am Paul Christ right now. And you know, it's, it's, you know, he, it's one thing too, I will say, during press conferences, he is one way, but let me just say, you know, around players or even off the record or stuff, he's a different person too, uh, you know, and whatnot too. It's just one of those things where, you know, he's, he's a certain way on camera and he may conduct himself that way. Uh, unlike maybe he got a little riled up. You've seen him get some tendencies or getting riled up where, uh, one, the Miami orange bowl game back in 2017, the turnover chain, my, insert uh, expletive deleted here. And then even on Saturday with Iowa yelling at the refs because of the illegal formation penalty that was against his offense where he disagreed with it. He was, I went back and watched the video replay. I didn't see it on the sideline, but he was livid. So you see these little areas where Paul, you know, he kind of monotonous here and there, uh, you know, tries to be thoughtful during his press conferences, but you know, outside of the cameras, he's a different person. You've even seen some glimpses, you know, on the sidelines during games. Yeah, well, I mean, it happened last year when they played Nebraska. It was great. That was that was probably one of my favorite moments of um, all of last season, to be honest. And, <laughs> and I think it gets at the heart of like this game. And that, I'm I'm so excited for this game every year because this is what we should be looking forward to every year. This this game. This is what the Big Ten Conference set this div- this divisional structure up for in the West. They wanted Nebraska against Wisconsin every year, and they wanted it with stakes. And and entering into this season, we thought that we were going to finally get that for the first time in however many years. We were going to get Wisconsin-Nebraska in November with major stakes and major ramifications on the line. And wow, wow we just haven't gotten that. Like, Nebraska, um, and this is, is uh, pretty ironic given its tenure in the Big Ten. Nebraska didn't hold up its end of the bargain. Wisconsin's been really, really good. Nebraska didn't hold up its end of the bargain. Um you know, you had the video heard round Husker Nation this week where a Wisconsin linebacker said he doesn't really view Nebraska as a rival because this is a trophy game, um, but the trophy has never left Madison. What, what, what's kind of your your take on the the Wisconsin approach to this game? Is it is it a lot of that sentiment where it's like, hey, 
these guys aren't really a rival because you know a lot of the a lot of the games haven't even been close. So until they start beating us, we're not going to view them as a rival. Or is there still that like, well, we're playing a Big Ten West team, every team is a rival? I think it's a little bit of both. I know Zach Bond's one of the leaders of the team. He's a redshirt senior. He stepped into this leadership role last, you know, this year. You know, he needed to with this defense being so young and having to replace TJ Edwards, Ryan Connolly, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, et cetera. And so, and he's done a great job. He's one of the best pass rushers in the conference. He may have stated that. And, and the question, too, and I, I'd let people know about this, too, in, in um, my Badger Blitz first and 10 preview for those rival subscribers. Basically, it's a I do a long preview and, and kind of lay out exactly, you know, like 10 topics to, to watch for during the game or just random facts. And, you know, the question was, is there any kind of added pressure that it's a Big Ten West game, another trophy game? And that's where Bond said no pressure. It's just another game, another, you know, another football game. That's when he said the trophy's never left here, so I don't think it's a rivalry yet. Maybe it was before, but it definitely isn't anymore. Uh, and that's a verbatim quote from from Zach. And, and but you know he's still there's even though it may not look like a rivalry. And even Paul Chris during the press conference said he didn't think that there needed to be a trophy game to know how big of a game this is. They're still treating it like a big you know, game. And going back even to what Chris Orr said, it was after the Michigan game because Shea Patterson had said, "Hey, we want to make a statement." against Wisconsin and central Michigan for that matter on their radio show, it got leaked out through Twitter. So nothing's safe, even on a radio show, nothing is safe where a central, you know, central Michigan players were saying stuff and they got blown out 61, nothing, uh, second game of the year. So, you know, and Chris Orr coming back to the post game comments against the Wolverines, you know, or kind of laid out just, you know, we respect everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. There are good players. He mentioned his brother who played at North Texas. Like they're good players everywhere in division one. And, and, you know, and they basically he let it be known there that they respect every opponent. So just because, you know, one player may not view it as a rivalry, uh, others, you know, they're still taking it seriously. Bond's still taking it seriously. I was talking about, you know, Adrian Martinez in the run game for uh, for Martinez talking Chris or about, you know, they you know, they view this, you know, it's still a big game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor mentioned you know, it was a big game as well in terms of, you know, there's, there is something on the line, uh, with that trophy too. But again, it's, you know, it, it's hard when your media and you, you know, and, and my colleague and good friend, Zach Halpern put that out there and it, 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 it's something that could be bulletin board material, but you know, they also, they all, the team, you can tell they respect Nebraska and they know, especially against Blaine and against Illinois, they have to be on the top of their game to stay alive in the Big Ten West race and all, and also, you know, try to compete and get that win in a rough road environment like Lincoln. Yeah, and, and that's another reason that, that I'm excited to talk to you specifically. I don't I don't know what to make of Wisconsin at this point, um, so I'm eager to hear your thoughts. The Badgers were top six, maybe, after beating Michigan. Like, I don't know where you slated them, but but now I don't know where to, where to slot them. Um, they almost gave the game away against Iowa last week. Uh, they got blasted by Ohio State, which, I mean, you could make something of that, You, you, but you also couldn't because everybody is getting blasted by Ohio State. Um, but then they gave the game away against uh, a, a better Illinois team than they're getting credit for, but also still Illinois. Um, what What is your take on this Badger team right now after 11 weeks? Is this a top 10 team? Is this a top 15 team? Like, what do you think the ceiling for this group is? I mean, definitely top 15. I know they're number 15 in the AP rankings, number 14 in the college football playoff. It, the loss at Illinois really confounded everybody. Uh, and I think many in the media, too, that 
they're so dominant. They're number six in the AP poll up until going to Champaign. Four shutouts in those six games. Dominant defense. Offense was humming along at a decent rate. There's signs since the Northwestern game about the run game not being necessarily this, you know, up to par or they're, they weren't clicking on all cylinders from the Northwestern game on uh, with the, the exception of Kent state being a non-conference uh, finale there and their defensive line, maybe having one guy over 260. but really it is, you saw basically this team, I think could be a top 10 team uh, at the very least. They could win the big 10 West. Now, Iowa needs to help them out with Minnesota and, and Wisconsin just needs to win out, uh, which I think they can. It's not going to be easy, especially with the two, you know, two of the three last uh, final games being on the road. But uh, I think they could be a top 10 team that that loss at Illinois exposed a lot where tackling in space was an issue, which going up against a spread up tempo team like Nebraska, that's going to be have some issues there, especially with a, a good running quarterback in Martinez. So that's going to be something to watch there. They, also, with the you know, they just reestablished the run game against Iowa, where the Hawkeyes only gave up 90 yards per game going into that game on the ground. Wisconsin ran for 300, and Jonathan Taylor got 250, which was a promising sign. They they got kind of got back to what made Wisconsin Wisconsin offensively in that game, and in but defensively too, they had one big you know they held Iowa for that matter under 300 yards, but they gave up a you know with defensively they gave up huge chunk plays in those two losses where. It, was it a uh, 48-yard touchdown pass with missed tackles? Uh, that was in the first half. A 43-yard touchdown run by Reggie Corbin, uh, you know, where they missed, one player missed an assignment and led to a touchdown. Uh, a 28-yard touchdown pass there. And then against Ohio State, for that matter, they, you know, in the second half, they ran into a buzzsaw of J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields where, um, you know, chunk plays galore. Dobbins ran wild and, and made his case for being a contender for the Heisman. Uh, for sure, the Doak Walker Award for given to the nation's top running back. So, really, it's a uh, you know the the big keys with Wisconsin is they have to be sound tackling defensively. They can't give up those chunk plays, uh, and then offensively they have to have, you know their identities with the run. Uh, but turnovers also were key where they've given up. You know, there's been a key you know interception here or there. Jack Cohen's been great with protecting the ball, but he's also you know key times like against Iowa, he had a fourth quarter interception. Uh, the final offensive drive against Illinois, that interception led to the game-winning field goal drive for Illinois. So uh, on top of that, Jonathan Taylor had a, you know a critical fumble inside the red zone in the fourth quarter against the Illini too. So it you know they're this team. I know I'm rambling. I feel like I'm rambling, but there's so much potential, and they could be a top ten, top. In my opinion, could have been a top five team. But with that loss to Illinois, they exposed some things. I think they're a top ten team, uh, but we'll see just what they can do you know, these final three games of the regular season. Yeah, the line for this one um, is Wisconsin minus 14. Since it's gotten to picking time, I've actually had a hard time um, going with Wisconsin to cover that. And a large chunk of my hesitation has to do with Jack Cohn. So I've got three facts for you. Cohn is seventh in the Big Ten in yards per throw. Wisconsin and Wisconsin's only head of Northwestern explosive passing plays. So it's not a, a big play passing offense. And Cone has as many lost fumbles this season as Adrian Martinez. Um, I think he's sixth in in FBS against with, with uh, fumbles lost. Um, I expect Jonathan Taylor to get his. I expect Jonathan Taylor to have um, well over 100 yards, maybe approaching 200 yards against this run defense, just because Nebraska hasn't really given anybody a, a ton of optimism um, to expect anything less. But I don't know that I trust Cone to actually blow this game open. Is that 
fair? Or is Taylor enough on his own to make this like 44 to 21 instead of a 34 21 game? That, that, that's a good question. I think you know, and I've been asked by like radio shows here in Milwaukee too, about Cone and just his development and what he's done to improve. And I mean, he's made considerable leaps and bounds from where he was last year as a sophomore, having to play in five games with four starts when Alex Hornibrook was, they mentioned it was a head injury. And now Hornibrook's down in Tallahassee uh, with a really, uh, I'm not going to say messed up, but a very uh, fluid Florida state program. But he has, and he showed it to, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Graham Mertz, the four-star signee, you know, everyone proclaiming, I mean, the hype trains there. You saw the All-American Bowl last January, this past January, I should say, where he threw five touchdown passes with the MVP and the hype train was, you know, throw up some rocket fuel with that, you know, coal and they're shooting them to the moon. But Cone came in and, you know, he, he has some poison leadership to him. But he's shown the accuracy to make good throws, uh, and and not just you know hit a play. It's hitting the player in stride. It's on a deep out. It's not like and not to pick on Hornybrook. He is able to throw a deep out one in the right area and two with enough pop on the ball to get there without a cornerback trying to make a play. And in case in point, 2017 Iowa game where the only 14 points Iowa scored were on pick sixes thrown by Hornybrook. So really, it in my opinion, you know it. it Cone is improved drastically. He can lead the team on drives. Illinois was a case example where the Illini contained Taylor to about, it was, a, it was a, around 100 some odd yards, but 156 total yards rushing for the Badgers, but only on 3.6 yards per carry. Cone threw for 264 in that game. And he you know, was able to make plays and move it down the field. Now those turnovers, a missed field goal by Colin Larsh took points off the scoreboard. I think the key is can you know, he can lead the team down the field if the run game is bottled up. Now, can he get points on the board? And I don't think it's necessarily all on him. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, when you fumble in the red zone, you know, that was an eight-yard run to the Illinois 17. I'm going back to the game in Champaign where he could have, you know, that game could have been wiped, you know, done. Uh, a goal line stand in that game, where, you know, first and goal from the three and they don't get it in, they have to settle for a field goal. That, you know, they could have gotten away with an ugly win down there, you know, three and a half hours south of Madison. But, you know, he, he's shown the ability to make deep throws against Iowa uh, on one drive in particular, a 52-yard one to start the game, uh, start that drive to Quintez Cephas, and then he finished with a 27-yard touchdown to Cephas again. So he has the ability to drive the ball down the field. I think that'll be needed to, to keep Nebraska's defense honest. And even for the rest of the year, you know, and they have talented receivers. Cephas is one of them. Um, tight end Jake Ferguson could be a real target t- uh, this weekend. And he's emerged more and more in the past, you know, three, four games. You've seen, uh, you know, there's also A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, who I'm really high on, both running the ball and, uh, you know, uh, uh, catching the ball. Even Danny Davis, who ran for a touchdown and caught a touchdown pass against Iowa last week. There's There's a lot of targets. I think, you know, like I said, there's weapons to make that passing attack more potent than years past. It's, but you know, they're just, it's all about game plans for them. And, but going back to Cohen, I think he really has stepped up. Um, we'll see what happens next year when I think the quarterback battle is going to be really interesting with, uh, you know, Mertz with another year. I like Chase Wolf for that matter, who, you know, is a dual threat quarterback essentially for Wisconsin and Cohen, who I think will take another step forward too. It's going to be, you know, but for this year, 
uh, you know, I, my, my opinion, I, I would trust him. It's just, you know, with the one more thing too, with the strip sacks, he, you know, a lot of the times, you know, like against Iowa, AJ Epinesa came from behind and right as he's throwing, he gets hit. Chase Young breathed down his neck on two of those strip sacks too, where he might've had two seconds to try to get the ball out. And you know, Chase Young, that, that was the most dominant defensive performance I've ever seen from a single player uh, in the horseshoe a few weeks back. So some of those sat, you know, strip sacks or fumbles, he didn't have much time to get the ball, you know, to protect the ball. But uh, again, I would trust him. I think he's got the ability to drive the ball down the field. It's now just getting more points on the board too. Let's go to the other side and let's talk about the defense. Um, geez. <laughs> I have the I have some of their numbers in front of me. So they're they are and these are national numbers, not Big Ten, like I said it before. Wisconsin's defense is first in the number one in the country in third down conversion percentage against. They are second in yards per play allowed. They are fifth in rushing yards per game. They are eighth in sacks, sixth in points per play, and twenty yard plays surrendered. And then they are tenth in rushing yards per carry. How much of last year, now with the benefit of hindsight, how much of last year's disappointment, if you want to call it that, had to do with slippage from from that defense? Um, And what has caused this? Because from the outside, it looks like a case of a really good team that gets written off. Nobody expected Wisconsin to to win the division this year. Everybody said Nebraska. Um, And then that team feels some type of way about it and sets out to prove people wrong because they had – they they had scored like there was that stat floating around through like the first six weeks or whatever it was where their defense had scored more points than um, they had given up, which is just absurd. Yep. Like what has caused this type of defense uh, to emerge this season? I think there's one they're getting pressure on the quarterback more. Last year they only had 19 sacks compared to what you know until this year now you're you're seeing obviously a lot more. Uh, they they're came into the Iowa now. game at yeah that's 33 now so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 33. Uh, they're ever going into the Iowa game, and I give Iowa credit. They contain Zach Bond and, and that offense. I mean, I know Iowa's got two essentially could be NFL bound tackles down the road, but um, going into the Iowa game, they're averaging four per contest. And I think you saw the emergence of Bond on the outside as an edge rusher who they needed to replace Andrew Van Ginkle, who's now, who's just this week uh, placed off of IR by the Miami Dolphins. He was a fifth round pick. And, but Bond's healthy, he's producing. And then on top of that, too, the defensive line last year was just in shambles. Um, you know, Olive Songapalu missed the last five games of the year, but he was a senior nose tackle. You, they had to replace Alec James, Chikwe Obashi, Connor Sheehy. You know, two of those three went on to try, you know, in practice squads or uh, training camps for the NFL. But you, ha- you know, there, there's new blood at the defensive line. And, uh, you know, there are some growing pains where Isaiah Loudermilk was injured for four of the nine games. Garrett Rand missed the entire year last year because of a reported Achilles injury. And you know, now they're back. They're healthy. You've seen Matt Hangson, who, you know, really is a former walk-on. I know Nebraska fans know the traditional walk-ons pretty well, but Henningson's uh, one of those along those lines that stepped up now as a redshirt sophomore, has three sacks on that line, you know, which normally you don't see out of a, of a three, four base scheme like, uh, you know, where they usually eat up gaps and, and, and holes and have the linebackers make plays. But, you know, it's one of those things, too, where the, um, they're healthy. You're not having to have a Caden Lyles, who now is back on the offensive line as a second-string guard. 
uh, you know, having to go over and play defensive end like he had to last year. So, you know, the front seven solidified. Chris Orr is a leader. He's, you know, we've seen leadership tendencies from him since he was a sophomore uh, here at UW. And, it's, you know, this is basically his team. And him and Jack Sanborn, they're among the team leaders in tackles. And they're playing at a very high level. And for that matter, too, and behind them, the secondary has been really, you know, it's pretty much stepped up. They've had some blips on the radar, like all, you know, defensive backs, they'll get beat here and there. Uh, there's that 75-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter last week against um, Iowa, where I think it was a reserve cornerback, Deron Harrow, was beat on that deep play. But, it, you know, they've improved. I really like their safeties. They have a couple of hard hitters in Eric Burrell and Reggie Pearson. And, you know, last year was just a lot of inexperience and having to replace, I think it was like seven, seven or eight contributors or starters from that unit. And then having to, you know, it was growing pains basically. And that secondary was so young in replacing some players and there were injuries there. So injuries, you know, in youth really played a role in 2018's defense not being the you could say the Wisconsin standard. Now you're seeing that return to form. They have, I mentioned it earlier, tackling they can still improve upon, making plays in space, maybe another thing. Um, but overall, this group is a top 10 unit at the very least. Uh, and, you know, they've had a couple of blips against Illinois and Ohio State, and I would even say Iowa, but they're returning to form, you know, against the Hawkeyes. They, you know, they improved after that bye week, and uh, we'll see what they can do. And I think Nebraska is going to be a huge test for them especially, like I said, tackling in space with Martinez and trying to contain J.D. Spielman, who, you know, tore up Camp Randall last year to the tune of was it, nine receptions, 209 yards and, and a touchdown. They need to make sure that they wrap him up and, and bring him down and just take him out of the equation when necessary. Okay. You kind of touched on um, keys to the game a little bit, so we'll, we'll go to prediction. I'll ask you for your prediction. I'll give you mine first. Um, I, I think that this is not going to be there, – there aren't going to be a ton of points to be had. I think possessions are going to be um, extremely limited. By, Wisconsin last year kept the ball away from Nebraska's offense, and that's just the way that they wanted to roll. I don't think um, Nebraska's offense this year scares Wisconsin as much as it did last year. Um, but it, I have it 34-21. Nebraska gets a backdoor cover, but it doesn't ever um, – they don't ever feel like they're – within striking distance of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, is in control of the game for um, the vast majority. I've got a 34-21. Um, so Nebraska is getting the cover, but it's not it's not a great look for Nebraska. What do you have the game at? And, and what are some of, um, I guess, some other keys for you? Yeah, I mean, it, right now I would say, uh, I was going back and forth. I thought 31-13, but I may even might say 31-17. I'm right around that. I, I've been going back and forth. Uh, <laughs> in the past two days, not trying to be too fluid or I'm right, right at that kind of spread, but I think they do cover it. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, in the fourth quarter, Wisconsin can't turn the ball over and give Nebraska any sort of life, uh, which you saw against Illinois. I mean, Ohio state, they, they held together for 35 minutes of that in game time. And then Ohio state just you know, grab the star from Super Mario Brothers and just ran wild with four consecutive touchdown drives there. But really, it's a with this team, it can't beat themselves uh, for Wisconsin. The turnovers are big against Iowa. They had, you know, two, you know, three false starts by the offense. They had a couple of legal formation penalties, which that's more on coaching and whatnot and, and Paul Christ confirming with the Big Ten office there. But on the road, you can't have penalties that are going to bite you. 
if, if they take care of the ball and they don't have penalties, I predict that big win. But if you've seen some, co- you know, some Badgers cough up the ball and, and give Nebraska opportunities, that's what let Illinois really step, you know, step into the game and ultimately swing that pendulum back over and, and get that win, which now we're talking about a bowl eligible, you know, Lovey Smith in Illinois, which I did not foresee in, in 2019, but uh, kudos to that program. But like I said, they just have to protect the ball, not shoot themselves in the foot, and they should come out of Wisconsin, you know, come out of Lincoln with a win. Jake, I'm sure you've got work to do. Um, I want to be respectful of your dad time, so I will let you get back to it. Um, thank you for for joining the podcast. Thanks for talking Wisconsin. Where can people read your work? Yeah, you guys can find us on BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, I'm a little less rambly, so apologies, folks, if I started to ramble a little bit. Uh, but uh, Wisconsin.Rivals.com is is a place to go. Find me on Twitter at jcoco. Right now, I'm just uh, I'm working on uh, we do. I did my big preview yesterday. I look at both sides of the ball in pro football focus rankings uh, about matchups for the, the projected starting lineups. Uh, we'll have a three keys to the game early tomorrow morning or tonight and so much more. And on top of that, too, we cover basketball. I'm on the beat for basketball. And so you'll see our National Signing Day basketball coverage and a lot more coming up. It's a busy time of the month, but uh, it's a great time to be p- part of the Rivals family. So, uh, But I love what you guys do at Hale Varsity. You guys rock it. And, uh, you know, gosh, I've met you, what, you know, three, four years ago, I'm still meeting, you know, you guys are great. And one of these days I'll get to Lincoln. I promise you guys, you know, we'll have to have a, have a dinner next time. I'm, you know, a couple years down the road. Yeah, that's fine. Have some cheese curds in the meantime for me. <laughs> they are good, man. I, I got to get back on a diet once, uh, <laughs> like media season, I gained like 10, 15 pounds during the media season. I think it's like my hibernating weight, you know, yep. for here. And then like once I told my wife, once Thanksgiving hits y'all, like I'm, I'm cutting it, you know, just pure protein. I don't need the sugar cookies. I'm not a fan of sugar cookies, maybe chocolates, but, uh, yeah, diet starts after Thanksgiving, but appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what the matchup holds on Saturday. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. Thank you guys. That's it for the podcast this week. Like I said, in the beginning, you can find this anywhere you listen to podcasts, I think. Um, so find us, follow us, leave us a review, leave us a star rating. Um, all of that stuff helps continue to read hillvarsity.com. We will have coverage all throughout the weekend. Uh, men's basketball is back in action. Volleyball is in action. Women's basketball played earlier, um, I guess later in the week, but earlier uh, in context of whenever you're listening to this podcast. Those seasons have, have gotten underway. We will continue to have coverage on them. We will obviously continue to have football coverage. Like Greg said, it's getting to be um, a pretty hectic time on the recruiting trail. So if you want to stay caught up with recruiting stuff, if you want to stay caught up with What's going on with Husker coaches whenever the season ends, whether they're going to a bowl game or not, they will still be recruiting. Go to store.hailvarsity.com. Sign up for a premium subscription to Hail Varsity. You'll get the magazine and you'll get premium coverage on site and you'll get access to our forums. You'll get all of Greg's recruiting stuff. You'll get a magazine in your inbox each month. It's great. And you can get it for one for your first month for a dollar if you use the promo code TRYHV. After that, it's two ninety nine. It's really good. It's a cup of coffee. So... Think about that, um, store.hillvarsity.com. Consider a subscription. Either way, keep reading, keep listening. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week.